Sign up for the nation news at ronanddonradio.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 235 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, we are the guys that have gone from radio to real estate. After 25 years of doing radio, we are now licensed brokers at Windermere. We got a lot of properties coming on and also, Ron... We're helping a lot of buyers right now, too. Yeah, if you'd like a playbook, a buyer's playbook, a seller's playbook, you can get them for an instant download at ronandonsitdown.com. If you can't figure it out, just email me directly, ron at windermere.com. Take a read, and then we will do a sit-down with you. Yeah. Hey, uh, coming up on episode 235, we've got to tell you a story of something that happened out in Port Orchard with one of our clients. Also, when Harry met Sally, no, different Harry didn't meet Sally, met Megan Markle. Is that her name? Megan. Oh, anyway. Or Megan. Explosive interview. You all listened to it last week with my favorite person, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, because I do listen to Oprah and her super soul conversations. We got to talk about this because the palace has just come out and said racism at the palace. In fact, Harry's brother said, what is he talking about? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. They're picking a jury right now in Minnesota. This involves the George Floyd death that happened last year. And it's one of the reasons why the Black Lives Matter movement continued to move in 2020 and into 2021. Uh, the place where they are holding court, literally, has been fortified because they're so afraid that someone from not just both sides, but all sides, because there's a lot of different sides to this story, might try to come in and hurt the judge might try to come in and hurt this former officer or might come in and try to hurt uh, some of the folks that have been selected or going to be selected in the jury pool. Let me ask you this. This particular officer that kneeled on George Floyd for over eight minutes, how will he get a fair trial? Because any juror, on that steps into that jury box, uh, if they were alive in 2020, they know what happened to George Floyd. They had to see that video. How do you make sure that Officer Chauvin, uh, that he gets a fair trial moving forward? I think people would say, how do you ensure that George Floyd got a fair arrest? Uh, you know, that would be the question because he lost his life. Uh, I think you can do that. The, the more interesting to me right now is what we're, what we're doing, because I've been really doing a deep dive on this, is we are seeing if there's a mechanism to dismantle several hundred years of concepts around law enforcement. Uh, and this goes all the way back uh, to pre-Civil War times, and, and we've all heard the phrase about states' rights. Well, policing um, was a thing that was under the umbrella of each individual state and their states' rights. And so they evolved differently. So if you were in the state of Louisiana, let's say, and you had your state's rights, your policing revolved pre-Civil War. A lot of it was around protecting people's property, 
Uh, and some of that property happened to be human beings. Protecting plantations. And protecting plantations. And free labor. And when the right. labor ran away, you went and brought that labor right. back. And, so that and, was policing. And that, that that's where state troopers came from initially. And so you have uh, the evolution of laws around law enforcement to protect them. And one of those laws that sort of matriculated through the states was basically an immunity to police officers when they're in the line of duty and a bad event happens. And they're under duress. And they're under duress that um, you get uh, an immunity or protection under the law. And so that's a direct result of this lineage. And then it involved further to where certain things were codified in the law. So you had one of the things is, well, I felt uh, my life was threatened. So if a police officer, that's a subjective thing, how you felt. Or, I felt I, long- or, or they say a lot, I felt like I was in danger, or I felt like they were going to take my life. Correct. Or I felt like they I had a gun. these things. Yeah. So, um, or I observed a black object. It could yeah. have been a phone, whatever. So these things would um, get tested in a court. The court would then rule in a specific way, and then that would get adopted in the state legislature, state legislature, and get codified into law of that state. So, and we've talked about this before. All the states now have different requirements and different statutes around policing, how it's enforced, what the immunity looks like. That's why you can go uh, to New York State, and I believe it was Garner gets basically killed over selling loose cigarettes, choked out. Those police officers get off because in that state, that is protected. Uh, in the state of Minnesota, where they're they're throwing multiple charges at this defendant to say, okay, we're going to do third degree murder, we're going to do meditated murder, we're going to they have all these different counts because they're trying to get around these immunity laws, and so it really to me, what's at trial here um, is saying we are we going to have the federal government step in and say we're not in civil war times anymore. Yes, states have rights, and states have their own constitutions in addition to the, the national constitution. But in terms of policing, what is its role? Can we standardize what it means from state to state? And can we take a second look at this immunity clause? Yeah. Don't you think it's different for you, though? Because I think about the different places that I've lived in. We li- we, these are just the places that Ron and I have lived together. Uh, we lived in New Mexico together. I lived in L.A. I used to come out there all the time, so it's like we lived together in L.A. We've lived in San Francisco together. We lived in Seattle three different times together. We lived in Phoenix. We lived in Dallas. We lived in New Orleans. When we, we say together, Rapids. we're What's not that? in the same house. We got our own apartments. No, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we live together. Sometimes in the same house. You're like, oh, he's on the couch again. Where I got to go? Yeah, I want to make out with a girl tonight. So anyway, don't you think it's different? your view and your lens because you've lived in different states and you've seen how different New Mexico is, Hispanic culture, family, familia, compared to New Orleans. And and then and then you could pivot back to Seattle. Very different places. And when we were on the radio in those those different places, we were involved in helping police departments, especially of slain officers. And so I would we, still help police departments. Yeah, and, and, and we got to know a lot of cops, a lot of great cops. But it was very unusual. Policing in Dallas is very different than policing was in Seattle or in New Orleans. It just was. Yeah, so let's go back to the George Floyd case. You have evidence of a video uh, where a person is not resisting. 
They are laying face down on the pavement with a knee to the back of the neck, uh, saying they're in pain, saying they're in duress, calling for their mother, saying they can't breathe, and were choked out to death. So now either that is third degree, like manslaughter, third degree murder, whatever the charge is, or you believe in this clause that protects and gives a police officer immunity. So it's so, really so, a trial so, here. So, so let me, let me, I'm going to push back now with things I don't necessarily believe, but things that I've heard. Ron, you don't understand. When George Floyd was arrested before, he had very powerful drugs in his system. And these officers knew that. And they knew if he got up, he would have the strength of 10 men. And so that's one of the reasons why they kneeled on the back of George Floyd. And you know what? Police officers are taught to kneel on the backs of people. And not if, for you eight let, minutes. If, you, if you let George Floyd up, then maybe it's my life and not his. And I have the right to go home to my kids at night. You could handcuff George Floyd behind his back and put him in the patrol car. There was a, They were literally next to a patrol car with uh, the you know reinforcement between the front seat and the back seat. Uh, I believe he was handcuffed. I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, he was on the ground face down, and there was like five or six officers there. You could, you could handcuff him, put it, restrain him, even if you had to put multiple pairs Ron, of handcuffs Ron, the reason on. I'm not going to put him in the car is because he told me that he was in pain, and so I called for an aid car. An aid car was coming. That's why I was there for eight and a half minutes. <laughs> I was waiting for the aid car. And what I did, I did as part of my training, and I did it to protect George Floyd, and I did it to protect myself. In fact, as an officer, every time I put handcuffs on somebody, I will tell them, you're not under arrest. I'm just doing this for my safety and for yours. He was in duress. I called an aid car, and the aid car was on the way. Yeah, I mean, I see where where you're going, and I see the lines of all this. That's what I'm saying. What's on trial to me? is this notion of, of basically all these things that you are saying. Is it reasonable and common sense to watch that video and say this officer was acting without malice and really felt uh, in danger? Because when you look at his face, and if you sit there, it's painful to watch all uh, eight minutes. He looks, bored, he looks bored to death. I've, I've watched all eight minutes, and you're, you know that you're watching a real human being die. Mm-hmm. And um, that's another thing that's brought up all the time is what about this person's past? We saw that in the Brianna Taylor situation. What about her boyfriend? Who cares about her boyfriend? She, Brianna Taylor was shot dead. Whatever her boyfriend hang on, hang did previously on, is, is a cop. If I have information about a boyfriend and Brianna Taylor is in an apartment with a boyfriend and this boyfriend might have guns. And it's one of the reasons we're going in with a no knock. Uh, so as an officer, I care about a boyfriend because that boyfriend may try to take my life for the life of a fellow officer. I'm saying when you are trying to defend the shooting of the the person that is dead. So like when we open this segment, George Floyd is dead. The police officer is not dead. So ensuring him a fair trial, I want to do that. I do think we should reexamine this. Should police officers uh, at all times be immune from taking the life of another human being? And even when they are end up, their assumptions are wrong they still typically have been have gotten off because they invoke the arguments that you invoked. So I think it's a legitimate point in human history and in American history to say we want to re-examine these. I don't have all the answers, but I do think it should be re-examined. Yeah. All right, let's talk more on the other side of this. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us 
look at the options. Like here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Dawn's listening skills were um, superior. Dawn came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide their services were, it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the, on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> we were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to your old friends, Ron and Don, on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. (laughs) All right. right. And as you guys just heard, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. So if you want our buyer's playbook, seller's playbook, we'd love to sit down with you. We do it every morning starting at 730. Or if you need to do it in the evening, sometime on the weekend, we'll love to virtually sit down with you. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com to find out more about the sit down. And you can reach out to Ron directly, ron at windermere.com. We can send you those playbooks and we can get you signed up for a sit down. So and we look forward to doing that with you guys and being a part of your real estate journey. Piers Morgan used to be on CNN. Very popular host. He's from the UK. Uh, He came over, he's on after Larry King, and they were having a really hard time getting people to watch CNN after Larry King, and and Piers Morgan was actually a hit. Uh, He left CNN a number of years ago, he went back to the UK, and we've seen him on some of the talent shows as a judge, actually pretty good. And then he he was kind of a tabloid when when he was in the UK, kind of a tabloid journalist, right? So anyway... He was part of a morning show called Good Morning Great Britain, and they were speaking last week about this interview with Oprah Winfrey. Super Soul Conversations are really good, you guys. And her glasses are... I don't know what's going on with the glasses. Like, something's happening with the glasses right now where I want to wear glasses again because everyone's glasses look really cool. Her glasses... Did you see Oprah's glasses? Oh, yeah. They look great. They look amazing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Any, anyway, so I'm about to throw my contacts out and start wearing glasses again. So what, what is your take? Because Piers Morgan came out and said, look, I don't believe anything that Meghan Markle said about our, he, he called it our royal family in that interview. And when, when they were talking about racism, they were talking about some of the claims that the royal family was concerned about there being a black baby in the family. He called it all rubbish. And one of the other hosts on that particular show challenged him and what he did when he was challenged is he took the microphone on off he got up and left they had talks later on about or would you want to come back and apologize and he said no and in fact he put something out on twitter last week that just said hey i'm gonna err on the side of free speech 
He said, I, I, I spent a lot of time processing that interview and I really thought about it. And after I thought about it, I still think that that interview was a bunch of rubbish and that she was lying. And once again, I will die on the hill when it comes to freedom of speech. Let's unpack this a little bit. First and foremost, what'd you think of the interview? Um, I think the interview, I didn't watch all of it. I watched excerpts. Uh, I think it's really interesting um, in terms of the royal family uh, and their version of the story. The, the Harry and Meghan version of events seems incredibly plausible to me. Uh, I believe she had no idea what she was getting into or she thought she did, and it was way different than she thought. Uh, I believe that story that someone said, how dark do you think Archie's going to be? I, I believe that happened. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You have a monarchy. It's interesting because we, even in the last segment, in the last couple episodes, a lot of the beliefs and things that we, that are in America are artifacts of England and are artifacts of a white monarchy. Good morning, America. Right. Good (laughs) good morning, morning, America was good morning, Great Britain back in 1793. Of course. Absolutely. That's when they started doing TV over there. We stole it. Exactly. Right. So I, I just think, uh, you know, this whole, it, it's just, I'm proud of Harry and them and Megan for leaving and coming uh, to LA because from Harry's part, everyone's been focusing on, on Megan's part, but think about being Harry. He brought up, he's like, I saw history repeating itself with the death of my mom. And he's like, I want it out. So that to me is not as big a headline, but the secondary headline is is him having the stones, so to speak, to stand up and say, yeah, I, I know how this story ends. Do you think people say, some people are saying, well, the reason he did this is he knew he would never be king. His brother will be king. He'll never be king. And as a result of that, he decided to go to America and basically live in Santa Barbara and be a Hollywood king. He lives in a $9.5 million home that he bought. So don't feel bad for him that he, quote unquote, got cut off from the royals. Because at the end of the day, he still got all his mom's money or his mom's money. So what do you say about that? Where people are like, you know what? Families have issues and problems. Your family has issues and problems, Ron. Don, your issues have families and problems. You shouldn't be airing out your laundry with Oprah Winfrey. Who, oh, by the way, just made $7 million on that particular interview. Some people are saying that. What do you say? So like, but let's think about this. England is hanging on to this notion of the king and the queen and the royal family. Like, think about that for a minute. What does that provide for them? Because the, the, the empire is not, doesn't exist anymore. Like they are not the rulers of the free world anymore as they were 1700 years ago or whatever it was. So, uh, and I don't know English history, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the, what is the genesis of that? What's the, what's the fascination? What's the appeal? Well, the appeal is, in my mind, that there's some sort of ordainment of God uh, to this race into this country. Like, that's really what you're a fan of. Look at us where we have a kingdom we have a king that's bestowed and a queen bestowed with these powers of governance and superiority over her su- subjects. Yeah, yeah. And so th- that's the appeal. And you're like, oh, you are sullying the, the royal family mm. with this mixed race American woman. All right. 
Those are all really good points. There's one thing I wished that he wouldn't have done. Talking if Harry? you're going to speak your truth, speak your truth. And and when he came out and, and talked about the race component and the black baby, and then wouldn't tell Oprah who it was, and then Oprah came out and said, oh, but I want you to know, he didn't tell me who it was, but it's not the queen and it's not the king or, or it's not Prince Albert uh, or Andrew. Prince well, Andrew. no, Prince Andrew is in a whole, he's, that's the Jeffrey all Epstein. The right. Yeah. He, he's in a whole different realm. Right. So, 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 so what Harry did when he, and I know that his heart was probably in the right place. People now think it's Charles. They think dead. it's either Charles or they think it's William. And William came out and said, well, there's no, there's no racism in our family. There's the Royals are not racist. I couldn't tell you that about my family. I can't speak for my mom or my sister or my brothers. Or I, 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 I can't. I can speak for me and my son and maybe our dog, Charlie. I can't speak for the whole family. I don't know how William could speak for the whole family because it's a pretty big family last time I checked. They have palaces everywhere, everywhere. And so for William to come out and say that, and, I, and, and, and in a way, we're all sitting there wondering now, is it Charles or... Is it William or was it Kate? Who was who was it that said that? The, the thing that I didn't connect with is, is when somebody made fun of the bridesmaid dresses and then Kate and Megan got, they're mad at each other and then one sent the other one flowers and they were okay with that. Didn't have great sympathy there. <laughs> Did you watch the whole interview? Mostly that part. Right. See you on right. the other side of this. Please hit subscribe. Please write a review. Don't forget to sign up for the Ron and Don newsletter at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 235. And again, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. We got a call just a couple of weeks ago uh, from an incredible couple out in Port Orchard. And they said, Ron and Don, we have a family farmhouse that we need to sell because we are heading to Austin, Texas. And would you be interested in selling our home? And they said, you know, I hear you guys, Les Schwab Studios on Queen Anne and all that. I know Ron lives on, on South Lake Union, and I've heard you guys selling things over on the east side in Seattle and, and down south and up north. But, but would you jump on the bridge or would you jump on one of the ferries and, and come over to Port Orchard? That's exactly what we did a number of years later. Not a number of years, a, num- a number of days later. <laughs> uh, maybe it felt like a number of years. Anyway, we're, we're standing on this incredible wraparound porch of this farmhouse. It was like being on a movie set, you guys. And I don't know if you ever watched the television show, uh, Walton's Mountain, or at the end of it, everybody says, good night, John Boy, good night, Mom, good night, Grandpa. And as you're saying that, you turn off the light. And at the end of it, John Boy says, good night, John Boy. That, that's what this house felt like to me. It was just, it was this magical place, right? And what's, what we're seeing right now is a lot of people that live in Seattle or they live in Tacoma or they, you know, they live in kind of an urban hub. What the pandemic has taught them is, you know what, we could go live out in a place like Port Orchard and maybe we commute in once or twice a week, but we don't have to do that five days a week because we're going to have a GoFast ferry, four different GoFast ferries out there now. And Ron, we we needed to, we, from, from, from the time we shook hands or we, we didn't shake hands, we actually bumped elbows. To the time we got a sign in the ground, it was six days later. That's how fast we worked to get that house up for sale. 
And then just six days after that, because we had an offer review day, we had multiple offers. This thing went soaring, absolutely soaring over asking price. And because that price is not published yet, I'm not going to share that with you. But we had this really terrific outcome. The thing that's upsetting to me, though, is, is I feel like, you know, we've really connected with Anthony and Monica. And Anthony is just, you know, he's dressing in his Seahawk gear. He has his hat on backwards. He's doing tech stuff. Really cool guy. His wife said, you're just a fanboy of Ron and Don. You listen to him on the radio for years. And so you just want to meet them. What, what the hell do they know about selling a house? So we really had to impress her with our real estate knowledge, right? And, 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 and anyway, at the end of the day, we became this really great, cool team. And the thing that I'm sad about, they're packing up now and they're leaving. They're heading into Austin, Texas. And there's a part of me that wishes that they were still living in that farmhouse so I could go out there and 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 grab a tent and, and camp out in their front lawn with myself and Charlie and my son and just cook some s'mores and at the end of the night say goodnight, John Boy, right? Yeah, this was a, a really special house. I always wanted a treehouse. Uh, this this place has a treehouse. Yeah. Growing up in New Mexico, trees were not big enough to have a treehouse. We had these little spindly trees, could never have a treehouse. Uh, this thing had absolutely everything. But you're right. Um, it, it was fast moving. The market is fast moving right now. Uh, I, I do feel for, because I, I was going through all the offers, I feel for these these families that are buyers. Um, and we have some buyers right now that, that are just like, man. This is crazy. Like, how do I compete? How do I get this done? Like, it's it's disappointing to get your hopes up and to fall in love with the place and to want to write. But you and- know what? You fall in love with the place, you write, and we go take a place down. In fact, we did that. We did that just last week. So, so we will go out. We will go out and compete. This, this is one of those things where there's 87% of all realtors fail in their first three years because to them, it's just kind of a part-time job. And in a market like Seattle, this cannot be a part-time job. This has to be a full-time job. And you can go out and you can get a discount broker. And guess what? You're going to give a discount price when you go to sell your home. You, you, I think about some of the monsters, and they're mostly women, older women that are in our office that have been in these neighborhoods 20, 25, 30 years. And, and they are so incredible at this job. And it's because they are full-time realtors. It's not a part-time thing. And that is something that has been drilled into me by Tamara Marson and, and also Patrick Chen, who are presidents, managing brokers, and our mentors at Windermere Midtown, right? And, 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 and so I know that there's buyers out there that are getting weary but you have to make sure that you're connected with a broker or with an agent that knows how to connect with the broker and agent on the other side and take a home down, even when it's competitive like this. If, if it's someone that's just in your family that hung a license somewhere and they go up against me, I'm going to take them out. I just am. <laughs> yeah, I am going to take them out. That's so. absolutely true. At least they're moving to Austin, which is a super easy market. I'm just kidding. Austin's on fire as well. So great place, a really successful result. And uh, I'm super stoked. I am going to miss them as well because they. Uh, he seems like a very good barbecuer. Had yeah. the whole setup out there. You'll be visiting gonna... them. I, I would like to go to Austin. Soon. I would like to go to Austin. Let's go to Austin. They said they said they wish they could take this farmhouse and just pick the house up and move it to Austin. Yeah. And and Anthony is such a go getter. They might. I thought at some point he would take it off the market, and we'd just see this thirty two hundred square foot farmhouse with all their dogs and kids and their boat and everything else just 
rolling down I-5. Let's go to Austin. We'll get some barbecue. We'll go to Austin uh, City Limits. We'll uh, knock on Willie Nelson's yeah. door. Call it a road trip. Anyway, you know what's great, you guys? We we sat behind these microphones for years, and we would get to hear people when they call in the radio show, but oftentimes we never got to meet them and to go out and connect and make these human connections. Uh, it's been really special to us. And then also to have someone trust us, like Monica and Anthony. And for Monica to say, hey, what do you guys know about real estate? And for us to say, hey, Monica, this is what we know about real estate. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to bring your home to market. And then it's going to go one, two, three, four, five. It's going to go six figures over. How about that? He's Ron. I'm Don. If you need us, reach out. Ronanddonsitdown.com. You can write to Ron directly. That's what Anthony and Monica did. Ron at Windermere.com. And let's sit down today. Okay? Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 236. Oh, On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. Ha, 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 ha,